Empire of the Sun. Suns. Empire of the Suns. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire of the Suns. Welcome to the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kevin Olson, joined as always by Kevin Zimmerman. Kevin, did Santa get you anything early for Christmas, like an NBA basketball team? <laughs> um, I was writing a story about Devin Booker and Larry Fitzgerald buying a pickleball team in Arizona, which I thought was the only ownership story we'd be talking about today. But here we are. So no, to answer your question, no, I, I don't have that kind of cash to do any sort of team. A breaking news edition of the podcast, Kevin. We are recording this about an hour, uh, an hour and a half after the report from ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski that former Michigan State basketball player and billionaire mortgage lender Matt Ishbia is finalizing a purchase of the Suns and Mercury in the neighborhood of $4 billion. As always, Kevin, there's never finality with these things. It was reported that it will occur in the near future. Is the near future tomorrow? Is it next year? Is it April? Is it June? I don't know, but it sounds like this is close, I would say, based on just how out of nowhere this kind of came. Um, What are your thoughts on this development and your Googling of this man who is wealthy? Yeah. um, First of all, Woj wrote that it could be even announced as soon as Tuesday, which I assume is to- today's Tuesday, right? I think it is. Um, so oh, okay. it looks like so, so the near future pretty- thing is is uh, I'm I'm making I'm making a joke there. Then more than anything, it is. Yeah, well, things take a lot of paperwork. Even if they've like agreed on everything, like I just can't imagine like when you buy a house or you buy a car or you buy a laptop at Best Buy, like there's lots of paperwork you have to sign. So I, I, I can't even imagine how much this is and how complicated it is. Um, yeah, I'm confirming. Yeah. yeah, we'll just story expected to be announced as soon as Tuesday. So yeah, actually my jokes on near future and my uh, wrangling of, of reporting is has taken an L here, uh, which is good for <laughs> all of us because I would love for this to, uh, finality is good. I like decisiveness and knowing things. Yeah, but my my I guess initial takeaway is I I do think that I heard Bill Simmons mention him um on his podcast. I think that's where I heard it. And kind of out of left field otherwise, like the the biggest thing is and I think I saw someone tweet this like you google him and there're not bad things about him. There's not like ties to oil money and all these other things and sketchy situations and being a bad person. Um, So I think honestly, I was surprised that it was someone we didn't really know about a ton. And I was surprised that as of right now and limited what an hour of Google searching and other people doing that themselves, I'm sure Um, He looks like a really good candidate just from being a basketball player, having connections to Michigan State, Tom Izzo, um, caring about that basketball program um, a ton. I think he donated 32 million um, to help them last year to build a floor and upgrade their facilities and all that good stuff. Um, That's all a good sign now. I will hedge and say, if you have a former basketball player as your owner, um, 
there's room for saying someone might be super involved, but I, I think you would rather have a basketball player being super involved and meddling with decisions and all that than a non-basketball player who has just not um, have that perspective. So that that's kind of my general takeaway. What about, what about you? What did you kind of go to when you first saw that? Um, I saw that he's averaging... 5.9 free throws per 40 minutes. And that's exactly <laughs> what the Suns need right now. Now he's shooting 47% for his career from there. So uh, the stripe didn't go so well for him in garbage time. So yeah, uh, just the jokingly, the Michigan state background, uh, he played on the 2000 championship team. That was the Mateen Cleaves team. And then he played with Zebo and Zach Randolph the following year. Um, uh, from what I can tell was just, was just like a walk on, kind of situation where he was coming in towards the end of games. If you were actually curious on the former Michigan state basketball player lineage and all that kind of stuff, isn't it? It's interesting that his brother's joining in on this, right? So his brother's a fellow fellow billionaire, quite the successful company, Kevin. Yeah. So it looks like his brother actually is um, kind of more of an investor in that company, which is what, let me look. So I'm accurate. United wholesale mortgage, his brother, um, let's see, has a, a net worth of 2.2 billion. So only half as rich as his bit, his other bro. What um, a loser. Yeah. Founding partner of private equity firm, Shore Capital. Um, but he's also an investor in the United Wholesale Mortgage Team. So, um, th- they kind of got into the family business. Their dad started the United Wholesale Mortgage Company, and I believe, you know, Matt Ishbia just did a really good job and it's grown and all that. So um, they have leadership experience with, uh, you know, big money companies and such. And again, basketball background seem like good dudes care about sports. And yeah, I mean, it's obviously refreshing considering the, finality of why we're here and what this team is leaving because just what was that yesterday um baxter holmes publishes this report on sun's leadership that's still there um some of their big senior execs um jason rowley being one of them um have been still linked and within that sun's building um people don't understand why some of the leadership that was close to Robert Sarver is still here, has not had any punishment, has not taken accountability for the the bad toxic workplace issues, bullying, um, poor treatment of women. Um, so this comes after that report comes out, which I don't know if the reporting is timely or it's coincidence, but I think just the last two days this week has been a really good, you know, um, kind of for Suns fans and Suns employees, uh, positive news on all accounts, I guess. Yeah. The number one thing from all of this was always going to be someone buying the team where we didn't have instantly have doubts in terms of how they were able to, um, sort of just rebuild their work culture and like their, their workplace. Right. And not even have a, like inkling of toxicity essentially when it was, when it was full of it and, and is working through that process right now it, with, with Sarver gone, but even more so will once Ishbia comes in and, and once that process starts to get underway, which you would assume Kevin includes some of those other executives uh, moving on, I would assume 
that is coming that Ishbia is going to want to get his own guys in there anyway. Like it does, like it works in most of these situations, but especially with the bad press uh, surrounding those guys. And I mean, we, we talked about it at the time, Rowley's statements aligning with Sarver's at the time and just how much he backed up Sarver in the moment, how much he shot down Baxter Holmes. And he was the, of all the statements, Kevin, at the time, he was the most aggressive in like coming at Baxter Holmes's reporting. A lot of the reporting that was backed up, of course, in, in the investigation's findings. Now, their statements yesterday, the Sun's statements yesterday, still, uh, it was it inaccuracies? Was that the word that they used, Kevin? That there's still some inaccuracies in, in the reporting? Is, is that what they said? Yeah, I can pull that up. Well, it, and, and, but like the bottom line is like that's, that's the number one takeaway here is so, yeah, from, from a quick hour Googling, this guy has not been in any controversies and there's no indicators at all that we would know from our seated position right now that he would be able not uh, be able to do that. And that's like the number one thing that this owner has to come in for specifically and accomplish. And that's what he should be able to do. I mean, the, the real sports feature a month ago, I, I mean, everything is, is just a coincidence, right? Kevin, like Devin Booker wearing yeah. a Red Wings Jersey last night when the Red Wings uh, helmet sponsor is this guy's company, I believe. Um, like it, it, he's a Michigan guy as well. Uh, the owner. So, or the new owner Ishbia. So I, I, that's really my only, my only thing here was just looking at someone who was going to come in here and be able to, cause I know everyone is looking at the tax and, and how it affects the basketball side, but they've, they've got a lot of work to do um, as, as they've said themselves in some of these statements, just in terms of their workplace and making it a much easier place to be. And, and then from there they can build even more because we've seen on the basketball side, at least just from a culture standpoint, how much they've shifted things in the last couple of years. And you hope that, this is a James Jones esque sort of turn in the same way, just in terms of like building a foundation, building a culture and, and making it somewhere that is nice to work. It would be a start. And, and, and it seems like a place that people aren't going to be um, feeling a certain way about like, it, like it seemed to be for the last uh, or, or not, not seem to be just was uh, for them in the past. Yeah. So I guess the only, and <sighs> I'm going to have to like double check this, but someone was tweeting like screenshots of an article that I assume was real about his company made people come back quickly from the pandemic in person. So that was like the worst thing I saw about it. Um, but also fun fact, I believe their UWM logo, the company he's um, running right now is on the Pistons jerseys and maybe the practice helmets or is do the NHL guys have like helmets with logos on them? I don't know if it's just practice helmets, but it they're was, on the Red Wings helmets. Yeah, that's what I mentioned. The uh, the Red Wings helmets. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So already involved in the sports thing. So kind of interesting there. It is, and look, I think I, I've already seen like a, a a reporter from like the Detroit area who knows Ishbia knows his competitive background, saying like I think he's going to do everything in his power to try and win and be competitive. We had an episode, and I wrote a story um, regarding Cam Johnson's extension, how the Suns' new owner is going to could dramatically affect the way the team looks over the next couple of years, depending on who it is. And and just to, to shortly summarize that again, because it's coming relevant again, uh, ownership basically kind of became the wild West in the last couple of years in terms of the luxury tax picture, uh, the warriors, the Clippers and, and so on. It, it just kind of started getting a bit ludicrous. And then of course, Woj dropped a story 
a couple of weeks later that the league was kind of looking into how much you could actually go over the luxury tax and things like that, kind of adding some competitive balance perhaps into that because of how ridiculous Balmer and other guys were getting and, and just the amount of luxury tax money that was being spent in the last year compared to all of the other years combined, essentially, it wasn't really close. And if the Suns get someone in that upper echelon in the top three, top four, top five, then like they don't have to worry about re-signing Cam Johnson and, and things like that, right? But it, we just there's no way of us knowing until we get there. And look, I, I don't know if Ishvia is going to speak when all of this happens and stuff. And it, the actions will speak. You know, when we yeah. get to when we get to June, the the actions will speak and. We'll, we'll see from here because, again, we t- we've been talking about this for two years now. If this team was always going to re-sign Mikel, Mikel re-sign DeAndre, and then re-sign Cam Johnson, that they were going to be in line for one of the biggest luxury tax bills in the league, if not the biggest, depending on how other teams were shaping up. And, and that's where they're at right now. They're in a position right now to do that, at least with Cam Johnson's restricted free agent, with DeAndre signed, and with Mikel signed. So June is just a really big and and July are just two really big months here to kind of see how that picture goes. And then of course, over the next couple of months here, seeing where they operate as well, Um, because little things like not using the taxpayer mid-level and things like that were little like writing down like, okay, like that, that's like the line, you know, like some owners would have been like, like the Clippers, for example, use their taxpayer mid-level on John Wall when their taxpayer bill is already ridiculous. Um, It just kind of like lets you know where exactly the line is. And again, to end the point and what I talked about then and what I'll talk about again right now, this doesn't mean the Suns were in this position right now where they were being really cheap. Like the top three, four, five, like those guys are just insane. Like that's just, you're almost asking too much out of those people at that point, it seems like, even with the amount of money that they have. But that's the number one question from the basketball perspective is how much money he is, how much he is willing to win. Uh, to that extent. And uh, yeah, I'll be, I'll be resharing that story again today if you want to read more on it, but that's just like the general uh, that's the general overview here of, of what this means on the basketball side. Yeah. I think you brought up an important part of this is we don't even know it's only been him and his brother have been named. They're obviously pretty darn rich. I think I saw um, just Matt would be top 10, barely squeaking in the top 10 as far as his net worth. And it, you don't know how much of their own money and all this is going into it. You don't know who else is backing them. You don't know. Like I was like, is Magic Johnson part of an ownership group? I don't know if that's true, but Magic Johnson tweeted his support in him, which is always good. Um, but like if there's more big money people who just aren't the face of this and this ownership group is actually you know, is top five in the league and wanting to spend. And with this guy, because they believe he can win, um, we we can't really tell right now, but that's always possible. And his, you know, net worth isn't necessarily completely tied to that. Again, though, um, when you talk about culture shifting, and that's just treating employees good right now. Um, but when you also talk about trying to put together a winning team, um, it, it looks like this is positive news i mean people the only one we had on this only real report was that wall street journal had peter Thiel and like qatar money like what whatever those groups are that buy soccer teams and that kind of thing i don't understand how that works to be honest um but it gave you the heebie-jeebies kev it gave you the heebie-jeebies yeah one of those without getting political here on this basketball podcast i can assure you that probably you know 
50% or more of our listeners probably would have been yikes because that guy has put money in a lot of political things in this state that people don't agree with and lost recently. So I'm pretty sure the voting would say people don't agree with lots of that. So yeah, it's, it's super interesting from that perspective. Um, we'll have to see about the money. Um, any more thoughts on this? No, I, I barely had any, to be honest. And I think it just comes down to the quick Google, no controversies. Excellent. What he says when he comes in again, is this guy going to have a press conference? I don't, I don't even know but just what he says in terms of trying to shift the workplace. And then from there, just watching his watching their actions from a basketball operations side um, and in June and July specifically, and just seeing how far deep they're willing to go. And that's the, and that's the thing that gets dangerous about this, Kevin is feeling the need to react. And if they don't spend, let's say they resign cam Johnson, Kevin, but they don't spend ludicrous money elsewhere. And you're just kind of like, oh, but how much are they willing to spend? Well, they re-signed him. Well, yeah, but they didn't get anyone else. But did they want anyone else? Where did they need needs? Where did they go? Like it's, you you can work yourself into a web pretty quickly, and we're not going to do that here. We ne- we never do that here, Kevin. Overreactions on this podcast? What we what, with what we've been talking about the last two weeks? Never. Come on, us. No. Who? No. Uh, let's talk about basketball for like a couple minutes before we get out of here. The Suns have won three games in a row. Uh, the three of them are not really that interesting to talk about in my opinion. And that's crazy. Cause one of them is, uh, Hibachi's record RIP Kev. I thought, I thought Gilbert arenas was going to hold it for forever, but Devin Booker scored 58 points in a 118, 114 win over new Orleans on Saturday. Uh, and then that was sandwiched by two, wins over the Los Angeles resters. That was the Clippers who sat everyone in LA on Thursday. And that was against the Lakers who sat everyone in Phoenix on Monday on yeah, yesterday. We're recording this before uh, the wizards game. Uh, I don't have much to take away from these three games, Kevin, besides it's good for them to win and it's good for them to, I wrote this for the Lakers game. They need as many get right games for the rest of this month as possible. So if teams are going to present them the opportunity with like five guys out normally last year, two years ago, you'll remember how much I talked about, Oh man, like they need these games just don't really help them. They just need, they need as many playoff as type of matchups and environments as possible to get ready and tune up and all that kind of stuff. It's the opposite right now where they're from an injury perspective. They're so banged up. And from a losing perspective, they lost six of seven that they just need to get a couple get right games. And they did and sandwiched in between that was a, Looked like it was going to be like their recent losses and all the troubles we've been talking about coming against New Orleans, but Devin Booker went insane. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. The other two, did Cotton Fitzsimmons come up with get right game? I've been wondering that. Anyway, they had two out of three, which is good news for them, considering how banged up they are, how they had been playing. Um, but yeah, the the book thing, I think I said it, this is the most interesting part to me was... The Pelicans were throwing lots of stuff at him, switching things up for most of that game. But in the fourth, they're just like, no, absolutely not. You are not doing this to us anymore. We can't take it anymore. And he just passed out of so many double teams and their bleeds, or I I don't know if they were leading when he hit like 55, um, but they, they came out with the win with a full quarter of him basically just making the right play. And that's why we talked about it Um, I think last podcast, he's so valuable even when he's getting double teamed when he's not scoring because just how teams defend 
his teammates changes so much and he creates so much for his teammates. And I honestly, I, I shouldn't put down how easy it looked scoring that and how he's just like isoing on half the court a few times in that third quarter when he was just hitting everything. But it, that, that was the most important part to me. Cause again, we, I've said this before where it's, he switches out of his scoring mode like a, a superstar playmaker should. And not many guys can do that when they have it going and they have 55 in the third or whatever it was, or the fourth, I guess. But yeah, uh, that was, that was the most impressive part to me. Yeah. He, he just hit the zone that he did in the Boston game and the Utah game in the Portland game earlier this year is that Chicago game earlier this year when he had 51 and a uh, three quarters that, just everything going in, like you said, shifting in and out of the pockets of space and, and going from there. The Lakers game was refreshing for the Suns just because Chris Paul got his scoring going. Uh, he scored 28 in that game, but 14 in the first quarter. He was able to find his pockets of space to, to the point on Booker. He was able to find those spaces and shoot uh, more consistently in there. And, and I think the... The difficulty for him, he, he talked about this. I wasn't at the New Orleans game. I was sick, but uh, Dwayne Rankin posted the video of Chris talking, and it's just, I think people really underrate how difficult it is. I've talked about Vince Carter on this podcast a lot, how he went from an all-star, all-NBA player and kind of remade himself into a role player really successfully in the tail end of his career. That's an adjustment that's really, really hard for guys, and I'm not saying Chris Paul is at that part of his career right now, but I'm saying the Suns occasionally need him to just be catch and shoot guy. And to be catch and shoot guy, Kevin, you need to catch the ball. He's good at that. But the shooting part, uh, he needs to work on a bit in terms of just shooting it more consistently. And Monty joked after the Lakers game, it's it's kind of unbelievable how he's have to tell a Hall of Fame player to shoot more, but that's where they're at right now. And just trying to get him to be used to that role. But I think that he's going to need to be able to do what a lot of guys have done on this team which is have their roles shifted. You just think about how different DeAndre's role was when Chris got here. You think about how everyone else's role shifted when he got here. And now it's kind of the inverse where he's going to need to change his role a bit more. And we're kind of seeing him go through that process right now. But the most important thing is that while his role is shifting, he still needs to be able to be point God from time to time. And it was against a Lakers team that looked like it was ready to know what time its table was ready at old town at 1030. Uh, more than it was interested in playing defense in the first half. But with that being said, it was good for them to see him getting to his mid-range spots. The Clippers game was just, they they finally found some semblance of rhythm and, and finally got a win. It was just, it was so ugly after the Houston game, specifically in terms of offense and everything else where they just really needed to put some things together. And I think the Washington game, Washington, if you uh, haven't been following them recently is, has been a, a train wreck. I believe they have lost. Now it is 10 games in a row uh, that Washington has lost. They're really on the, on the downhill right now, to say the least, and not in a positive momentum kind of way, but get one more of those games because then the Memphis Denver Memphis stretch is in there. And then that's, uh, we get back into the part of the schedule where it does get, quite daunting but kevin uh injuries keep popping up yeah um akogi goes down last night with the hip issue i don't know he was on the bike at least in the background on one like camera angle that i saw and then they ruled him out and he was running kind of funny so that's not good considering he had been everyone was saying he's been the best son in the last stretch and it's hard to disagree with that um 
honestly, I think the last three games, though, have been also good for Mikel Bridges. Just his, like, he has the green light, and it seems like he really knows that more than I've seen him, I think, over such a stretch um, of a few games like this. And, yeah, back to Chris, I think his just, and then the game, he went to the short mid-range along the baseline like twice in a row, and you could basically see like, oh, he's just like practicing out there because he, he wants to like force this shot and get it in before um, the coach is going to pull him um, before the end of the game. Um, but same with Bridges. I, I think this is a good stretch for them to be at without Booker um, or without Aiton for a few games there too. I think that's it, buddy. Yeah, the the Booker game, Monty said pregame during the Lakers game, he was like, yeah, I just played him too many minutes. And uh, Booker missed the Lakers game because of groin soreness. Uh, no word yet. It should come down in like the next hour. So if you're listening to this, the news should be up somewhere. Uh, if it is not, it is coming in, in mere minutes uh, on my timeline or someone else's uh, timeline just in terms of if he's going to play tonight, uh, it. I would assume it's something where he's just kind of taking a day or two just to kind of give himself a full break. Uh, but th- that was the part where the New Orleans game, especially he had to do absolutely everything and to the point where he cost himself an- another game, a game that didn't matter ultimately against the Lakers. They didn't need him out there, of course, but that's something we're going to keep watching. And, and Mikel is-, is the other one too. We've been talking about that all year in terms of the minutes for them and Bonnie Keep saying, yeah, I keep playing him too much, and then he keeps playing him too much, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> it, just, it, just, it just keeps happening. Oh, it's it's like it's not a very um, – a, cir- a, cir- a, a full circle that doesn't have any zigs and zags. It kind of has just two points on it. Hey, when you're addicted to winning, I get it. Um, at least he's said that he's aware. That's good because I, I think I've been like they need to do that. And then last night they actually what spent four, more than four minutes resting everyone, which – I shouldn't be impressed by that, but for Monty, that's good, I guess. So that was that was a good sign that they're taking these things seriously. And yeah, even with Book, I bet I kind of took that injury report. He just popped up on it. Like, I think they're just having to write something down to have an excuse not to blame. Yeah, like that was the most rest management-y kind of game that they've had for a star in like a in a middle of the season sort of game. I, I would agree. Uh, next, like, like we said, wizards coming up, but in the standings, Kevin, uh, the Grizzlies lead the West. They're 18 and 10. The nuggets and Suns are right behind them at 18, 11, 19 and 12. That is who the Suns play, uh, three out of four of the next games against Memphis and Denver. So that should be fun. Have you watched much, much Memphis yet? I don't, I think early in the year I did, but not lately, basically since Jaron Jackson jr. Came back. I don't think I have. Uh, Desmond Baines averaging 25 points per game and Jaron Jackson Jr. Looks like he's going to win defensive player of the year. So they yeah. are, uh, they are a force and our, our, our good pal, Dylan Brooks, still doing <laughs> Dylan Brooks things. Oh yeah. 24 shots last game for Dylan Brooks. You love it. Scored 32, but podcast incredible. favorite and, and uh, infamous Marshawn Dylan Brooks involved player, but a favorite for so many more reasons you got any christmas plans family time rest basketball watching yeah that's that sounds about right for me i think yeah what about the cardinals kev football (laughs) oh man oh do you want the georgia man or the alabama man i think i want the georgia man (laughs) 
Wait, I don't even know who the Georgia man is unless you're Jaylen talking about Carter, him. the guy who lifted yeah. Jaden Daniels with one arm. He's supposed to be so it's supposed to be him and Will Anderson are like the two of like the top three overall prospects, and then there's going to be quarterbacks in the mix. So if they get a top Damn. four or five pick, they should get one of those two guys. I must have been in like optimist land or just denial that I have to do the top draft picks. I was thinking Kylie Ringo from what's was he? So where is he from? I don't know. Saguaro. Local right. kid. No idea. Corner, but no. Oh, you're going to do the Jonathan Cooper story? <laughs> All right, everyone. Uh, have a good Christmas. Merry, Merry holidays. Happy holidays. However they say those things. And uh, we'll be back next week. Goodbye.